Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to a new month and a new episode of MS Minute with DCND. Today, we are going back to the basics for the new listeners who may have just been diagnosed with MS or a friend or family member who just wants to know more about it. We are giving you the top five things to know about MS. And our expert today is Dr. Nicole Alexander. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And I think this will be a very informative episode for everyone, Mm -hmm. kind of starting back with the basics. So um, let's start with number one, the number one thing that you think that people should know about MS. So I think first and foremost, kind of the general um, identifier behind it. So MS is an autoimmune demyelinating disease of the central nervous system. We've really longstanding kind of talked about it being predominantly an inflammatory process, but we also now know that there is a neurodegenerative component to it too. Um, so when we think about multiple sclerosis, we often think about the focal inflammatory lesions that are causing or that are occurring in the central nervous system resulting in relapses. That's the biggest thing we talk about. Um, so having new weakness, new bowel bladder dysfunction, sensory changes, but really within the, you know, past couple years, I would say we've really started to look at the neurodegenerative component of it. So we know it's not only inflammatory, it's not only demyelinating, we know it's also a neurodegenerative process now, which is really what's driving the progression that we can sometimes see, which is more those smoldering changes that might be occurring in the background. So when patients complain about, uh, I found that I'm more fatigued as I've gotten my diagnosis and as I've gotten older, or maybe more so than my counterparts, um, more issues with memory or progression of maybe initial relapses over time. Um, So again, we've predominantly focused on it being inflammatory, but now um, we have really been studying that neurodegenerative component and some of our newer treatment strategies are targeting that, um, which is quite fascinating, but that really gets down to kind of the nitty gritty basics of what multiple sclerosis is. In exciting news. Yeah, that's, I mean, very promising in this world. And I know that there's been so many different advances in the last 20 years with this. So what is your number two? So kind of exactly what you just said. It's not what it used to be. Um, MS diagnosed, so an, a diagnosis of MS is absolutely not what it used to be. While it definitely still has major implications, and I, you know, I don't want to minimize that for my patients, um, but I, I also want to spend time emphasizing that we've really made great strides in our treatment options, um, and that we can truly keep people high functioning and independent. Very um, early on, following discovery of the disease process, we do not, we did not have um, great treatment options. You know, we started out with using pulse steroids, things like interferons, um, and some of the other platform agents. Um, But now we really have like, I think it's over upwards of 25 medications that can be used for multiple sclerosis. And a lot of these newer medications are really tailored to the disease process and halting that disease process. And again, not only that inflammatory process, but also the neurodegeneration that we see Mm -hmm. accompany it. Um, There's really so much to be hopeful for. We've really just come a long way and I think we're gonna continue going on that path. So again, it is not what it used to be. Um, I think a lot of people have come into my office fearful because they heard of, you know, their aunt's 
sibling who had, so I don't, I shouldn't say aunt siblings, it's still their aunt, but you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you know, a family friend that may sure. have had MS many years ago and um, maybe had really negative repercussions from it. But, you know, that's not the the path that a lot of people take anymore if we diagnose it early and get people on treatment. Absolutely. So number three. Um, everyone experiences different. And I think that's really important because no two people are alike. So how one person may present may not be the same as another person. One person's disease course may not be the same as another person's. How we try to strategize treating it is not going to be the same from person to person. I think, you know, it's important to remember that everyone has different goals and, and that's really I think it's part of the exciting part of my job is being able to tailor treatment and tailor each person's journey um, a little bit differently. So um, one of the things that I always try to emphasize or kind of have a goal for with each of my patients is to let them kind of be the person in charge of molding their own story. So, you know, not everyone's path has to be the same. So if someone wants to do mission work or have children, how can I make sure to accommodate that for them or provide them with a, a treatment option that's going to allow them to go out of the country for six months and not have to worry about infection or not have to worry about missing their medication and having a relapse? Or if they want to have children, how can we accommodate, you know, them being able to have as many kids as they want. I think that's the fun part is each patient really can tailor their their treatment strategy. You can trail tailor the the course of your journey with multiple sclerosis, um, but also just your journey in life. We don't want each person's course to be the same because everyone is individual and we want to keep it that way. Um, I think in the past, there was a lot of limitations placed on patients who may have been diagnosed with MS. Um, it, there was a lot of stigma, I think, with it in the past, and it made people feel as if, you know, once they got the diagnosis, the kind of rest of their life may have been bland, I guess, is a way of putting it. And they couldn't do those things that their counterparts or that their friends were doing. And really, I don't feel that that's the, the case anymore. We really try hard to make sure that everybody can continue to strive to meet the goals that they set out to achieve. Um, early on in their life. And I think we've been pretty successful at allowing to be a part of that and make that happen for people. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and we've talked several times on this podcast about how different everyone's journey is, mm -hmm. um, especially with symptoms too. Can you just kind of touch on that and, and just kind of the, the, you know, the fatigue and the bladder um, and everyone has different, yeah. different way of, of dealing with it. So uh, symptoms are, can be such a, it is such a, there's such a wide variety of symptoms, right? And I think this is something I struggle with. We have a lot of patients that'll come in and be like, I'm concerned I could have MS because my aunt has it and she was fatigued and I'm really fatigued. Well, fatigue can come from so many different things. Um, so some people, yeah, the fatigue might be a presenting symptom, but for other people, it might be double vision, could be sensory loss in their right leg or both legs potentially. Um, and for some people, you can make a full recovery from maybe that initial symptom that you had. Um, some people, there is some lasting deficits that can occur with that initial symptom, and we learn how to adapt to it or help treat those symptoms to be more tolerable. Um, realistically, there's just so many different ways in which a patient can present. The other thing that is kind of 
maybe important to hit on here is sometimes patients will have an initial symptom and then we may have kind of exacerbations of that symptom over time. Um, we call that a pseudo exacerbation often if it's not due to new disease process occurring. Um, so what can happen is you know, some people when they get sick or they get really stressed, they can have recurrence of their old symptoms. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the disease is active. It just, you know, is an unfortunate kind of part of the process. We can see those those exa pseudo exacerbations occur. So some people have those as a very prominent forefront of their of their MS. And some people they have an exacerbation and then they never have symptoms from that one exacerbation ever again. So everyone's just a little bit different. And I think education is very helpful to making sure that we aren't being over assertive with our medication strategies or under assertive. If we can educate patients what's a new exacerbation versus a pseudo exacerbation, that can be helpful. Absolutely. I don't know if I answered that question. Yes, you did. Perfectly. Okay. And I think, I mean, I mean, that's why it's so important to have um, a provider who listens to you and understands all of this. And, you know, you have a comprehensive, uh, you know, center like, like we are. I think that that is all encompassing because there is just so many different facets to this. Mm -hmm. So um, number four. Um, early diagnosis is extremely important, and this can be tricky because, again, kind of hitting on number three is everyone's presentation is a little bit different, and, you know, it could be fatigue for one person, it could be double vision, but there's other things that can cause those, so really making sure that an established diagnosis, if if you present with these symptoms, getting into a neurologist can be helpful early on if, if no other alternative diagnosis is made. Um, but obviously, the sooner we diagnose, the sooner we can protect the brain from any further inflammation um, and changes thereafter. So um, it's really important so that we can prevent disability from accruing um, and keep our patients independent and high functioning. So as soon as we can diagnose it, you know, the better. We have, um, I think, you know, when you look at the data, what's really fascinating is the number of people with MS has appeared to grow over time. Um, but I think it's really just because people are living longer. And then also because we are, we know how to identify it and diagnose it now. So I think we are just actually capturing the entire population. Now, I want to say the entire population, but we're actually identifying it and getting people targeted with treatment sooner, which is really great. And we have a lot to thank our, you know, primary care providers for and our emergency medicine providers is getting those patients to us. So very true. And, and you know, early diagnosis is, is very important for a whole bunch of different disease states, not just MS. So, um, <laughs> which we're, which we're finding more and more. Um, so last and not least, I guess. Um, so we talk so much about medications, and I think it's really important that we also just talk about there's really a holistic approach to treatment of multiple sclerosis. Um, wellness is so important, you know, being holistic and treating the rest of your body too. Um, so, you know, we don't only want to emphasize medications, but we also want to make sure that we are emphasizing it's important to have a healthy diet. It's important that, you know, we talk about things like tobacco cessation because we know that smoking is associated with lower um sorry, not, you know, smoking is associated with a higher risk of MS disease progression. So talking about those other things that play a role in 
disease progression and risk for a relapse. Physical activity is extremely important as it encourages brain health and encourages blood flow to the brain, which brings, you know, healthy cells to the brain. It's important to also be um, emotionally healthy too. Um, we know that psychiatric comorbidities, when they're untreated or undertreated, undiagnosed even perhaps, can contribute to relapse um, risk and progression of disability. And some of that can be related to um, commitment to or adherence to treatment. So, you know, it's really important that we take a holistic approach to our patients and making sure that not only are we on the right medication, but everything else is also being optimized as best as it can be. I think that is perfect. You have summed up these five things that we need to know just wonderfully in a little bow. And hopefully it's not too long for anybody. It's just some nice quick hits and uh, quick mm -hmm. reminders. Any um, final words of wisdom? You know, anything you'd like to add? Um, you know, I think it's, I think one of the most exciting things about working in neuroimmunology right now or in the MS field is that we do have so many wonderful treatment approaches and we have seen such a turnaround in how well patients have done once the diagnosis is made. Um, I think it's been very it's been inspiring to see how well patients can do. And I try to emphasize that to each of my patients. I don't want people to be fearful when they first come to me. Um, certainly there is a, again, I'm not trying to minimize that, but I think that there's really so much that we can do and we really can keep the patient's lifestyle at the heart of our treatment and at the heart of what we're trying to do to keep them independent and um, getting them to accomplish the things they want to do. There's no reason we have to halt any of that which I think right. is just really inspiring. And um, one of the reasons why I love being in the neurology field now, there's just, there's been so many discoveries. So oh gosh, yes, absolutely. And education is so important. Um, I think along this journey too, which is why we decided to do this podcast at DCND mm -hmm. with all the providers that we have on, um, because it's, it's helpful to just know what's going on with your body, know what can help, what <laughs> can't. I mean, so this is, this is all very helpful. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Alexander. Thank you.